Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for amazing people. I'm the Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, ordained Lutheran pastor and assistant professor of biblical studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary. And I am Rosie Candethel, a PhD candidate and adjunct instructor, yes, at Emory University. This week, we are bringing you some preaching tips and study insights from Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 to 35, the first reading for Transfiguration Sunday on February 27, 2022. Tim McNinch's off for the week and Rachel's up to bring you some tips and tricks for this week's reading. What do you have for us, Rachel? Well, so first I want, I thought, I mean, this is such an interesting section to have because it's right at the end of Exodus and, and picking up something at the end of Exodus is like pulling an <laughs> excerpt from the end of Grapes of Wrath and being like, here you go. This is all you really need to understand it. <laughs> There's a lot that happens before then. So I thought I'd get us started with some like literary context to uh, uh, nice. get us into the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I would call this, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, Rosie, but I'd call this like the, the beginning of the final section of Exodus. The golden calf episode happens in Exodus 32. And then, you know, in that Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to get instructions from God, but he's up there so long that the people begin to think that basically God just consumed him and there is no Moses, no more. No Moses, no more. Music starts to play. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I mean, the people freak out, right? Like you would. So then we have the golden calf episode in chapter 32. And in Exodus 33, after the, the sort of resolution of that, the people are ordered to leave Sinai. This is the beginning of the wandering in the wilderness. And fast forwarding to here, these final few chapters of Exodus are are getting everything in place as they get ready to leave. So Moses makes new tablets for the covenant at the beginning of Exodus 34, our chapter for today. And this is also the scene where Moses asks to see God And God passes before Moses. And that's important. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just to finish out, to kind of finish out that context, in chapter 34, God also renews the covenant with the people. And then Moses takes that covenant and actually writes it down in verses 27 to 28. Again, remember for later. And those are the verses just before our text shifts to describing this unbearable luminescence of Moses's face at the beginning of our pericope for today. So, so, okay. So in other words, there's a lot going on in the lead up for our text today. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's helpful for folks to know, which mm-hmm. is actually my first preaching angle, although it's more of a suggestion than an angle. If you choose to preach on this Exodus text, give folks a good amount of that lead up running up to it. Otherwise, today's text just sounds completely random. What was Moses doing on the mountain? Why did seeing God make Moses' face shiny? What's going on with the veil thing? (laughs) And giving them some literary context won't necessarily answer all the questions, but it will at least cut them down to something manageable. Yeah, that's a really good and important tip. Now, I can see how that would be, you know, really confusing for folks. What do you suggest about preaching this text then, Rachel? So, well, I have a couple of suggestions, the first of which is maybe the most radical. And my first suggestion is actually to not preach on this text, but to preach on the one that comes right before it. Whoa. I know. I know. I told, it's funny because I told you before we started this, I was like, I don't do anything radical in this episode. And then I just remembered, oh, I do. I do something radical. So (laughs) 
So Transfiguration Sunday is always a tricky one to preach in some ways. And I think the lectionary authors did their best in choosing this text to illustrate Jesus's transfiguration up on the mountain. But if you are like most people, you're more interested in Peter's reaction than in Jesus's glow up. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. (laughs) Glow up. Okay, good. (laughs) So anyway, if your folks tend to center on Peter, I might suggest swapping out this text for Exodus 33 verses like 12 or 17 Mm. through Exodus 34 verse 9. And that's a text that corresponds really well to Peter's experience on the mountain because it's Moses's experience of God's theophany, of God's like big showing up. And so you could do some really interesting comparative work in your sermon with Peter's response, God, this is great, let's build yurts. And Moses's response, which is to bow down, to worship, and to ask for God's presence to be with them as they leave the mountain and learn what it means to be God's inheritance. Wow. Okay, so that that is a pretty radical suggestion, but also really helpful. I mean, you could do some really interesting things there, drawing the comparisons between Peter and Moses. That's it like might a, be a little out there, but I, I think it could, if you're bored with preaching transfiguration, this might be a way in. <laughs> um, so, So tell us what other preaching angles you might have here. Okay, so the less radical angle is just to to scoop up verses 27 to 28 and to tack those on to the lectionary reading and include them in your preaching. I think there's a really interesting moment here that could call for reflection because our pericope today spends a lot of time describing how the experience between God and Moses changes Moses fundamentally. It changes his body, in fact, so that other people can see the difference and tell the difference. And there's some really fun embodied worship stuff you could do with that idea. How do our bodies change by encountering God? What changes do we feel on the inside when we take communion, when we worship together, when we encounter God in each other? Guiding your folks to name those things that become different in them when they have an encounter with God could help them start to nourish an imagination for how God is incredibly active and present and fruitful in their lives. Yeah, that sounds really, um, really rich, like a contemplative practice that you're almost inviting the congregation into. So are you thinking to invite folks into some silence then and reflection? Oh, silence is great. I mean, I think, you know, this is for preachers who are, again, maybe a little bit more creative typically in their preaching style. And so could incorporate some of this, but I always like encouraging folks to talk to their neighbor for a minute. I mean, I think it can be awkward, Uh, but it can be kind of, you know, like at least awkward for those of us who are Lutherans and are used to like sitting in our bubble in the pew. But I did this a lot when I was a preacher. And what was really fun was to hear afterwards from parents who had discussions with their kids in the middle of worship. Um, And just the way that that brings kids into worship in such a generous way where they're usually like the only thing they're supposed to do is look cute and be quiet. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's for folks who are willing to kind of take a risk and take a step, but you could also just do some guided silent meditation in the middle of the sermon as well. Oh, I love the idea of having a little conversation, especially with a little one. Um, so anything else, anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah, just one more kind of historical preaching point. And this one comes with the inclusion of verse 28. So we read that Moses wrote on the tablets and we kind of just gloss past it. You know, writing has become such a common everyday part of our lives. It's something that everyone does. It's 
part of everybody's job. It's as mundane as driving a car, <laughs> but it wasn't mundane in the ancient world. In fact, it was, it was something that was almost close to magic. Writing was seen to have a power that was so strong, it could actually reveal hidden truths in certain situations. And we see this in a couple of places in the Bible. And even God's word is said to be written on our hearts in several places. So in honor of transfiguration this week, I wonder what it would be like to ask people about the everyday parts of their lives that actually come weighted with power. Writing, baking, speaking, teaching, driving. What are the things that you do in your life that are forgettable because they're so common, but actually could be ways that God is present unexpectedly in your life or the lives of those around you? So those are a couple places I went with the text this week. I love it. I think those are super helpful. Some of those are really practical and some of those are really radical. So take your pick, folks. That'll do it for this week. Thanks, Rachel. And remember, friends, all of our episodes are at firstreadingpodcast.com along with other resources. And now your very own First Reading swag on the merch page. If you're on Facebook, you can also find us there. Give us some feedback in the comments. A special thank you to those who generously choose to donate to keep First Reading sustainable. And uh, thanks to Tim McNinch for making us sound incredible. A final thanks as well to Trinity Lutheran Seminary for the grant that helps us do what we love. Until next time, I'm Rosie Candifle. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching. Hi, Tim McNinch here. Has first reading helped inspire you to preach confidently from the Hebrew Bible or just given you a better grasp on how to understand the lectionary text? If so, please consider making a donation to help keep the podcast going. You can make your contribution at firstreadingpodcast.com slash donate. Thank you so much, and we'll see you again next week.